Hello, this is the Business Building by Design podcast, and I'm your host, Emily Jansen-McGrath. I'm an entrepreneur, small business owner, mom, designer, and lover of all things beautiful. Are you looking to start a new business, or are you wondering, what am I doing and how did I get here? Then you're in the right place, and it's time to do something about it. You can expect tips, strategies, one-on-one interviews with other professionals, and life lessons. I started this podcast to help other women in business be successful. I was thankful enough to have other women who mentored me throughout the years, and I want to give what was given to me. I truly hope that you listen, learn, laugh, but most of all, connect. Now, put on your seatbelt and let's roll. With the brain of a mad genius, the taste buds of a seventh grade boy, and the spirit of a toddler who just drank an entire Mountain Dew, Ashley Morrow has seen it all and remembers most of it. Ashley has the heart of an entrepreneur and the experience to back it up. Ashley has invented Alchemy Jewelry Sealer, and since bringing it to market in 2015, Alchemy has grown to be in over 400 stores in the U.S., as well as The Gromit, Amazon, and has been featured multiple times on HSN, and is currently available on JTV. Ashley is the managing partner of Click Synergy, a business coaching and consulting group that is dedicated to growing businesses in thoughtful and innovative ways. Ashley also co-owns and runs a woman's boutique that was named the Emerging Retailer of the State of Alabama in 2021. Her entrepreneurial spirit and brainstorming tactics create an infectious environment of creativity that will reinvigorate your passion for life or for your business. She's not afraid to tell you the truth, and you will rarely have to guess what she's thinking. If your business needs a kick in the pants, she's the one that you want to do the kicking. So without further ado, here's Ashley Morrow. I'm so excited um, that you're here and um, that we get to talk to each other. We've been playing phone tag or haven't been able to, you know, yes. for a while. So anyway, I'm glad that we have. But um, I told you a little bit about we started a new podcast and it's called Build, Business Building by Design. And so I just wanted to have you on, kind of tell your story because you're so cool. You're so interesting. So nice. <laughs> and I love you. It's so nice. So anyway. it's just, it's just the dosage. We just keep yeah. upping it. So yeah. it's really what it is. Just yeah. mental illness. So, um, I just got through recording your bio and it's, it is so you, so everything about it. And I love it. So, and I actually have a really interesting story about that bio that I think yeah. is so interesting me. about branding to share. So I got accepted to this organization called the Alabama Leadership Initiative. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like the junior program. Let me turn on my do not disturb. Hold on. Um, it's sort of like the junior program to Leadership Alabama. And so I was a little nervous because I wasn't totally sure why I even got chosen. Cause like when you look at everybody else's resumes, they're like really, really cool. And apparently like good, like 2.4 kids graduated Sigma Cum Laude. And I'm like, I've been on HSN. Like, it was like, I did not feel qualified to be on there at all. And so, like, the, I basically sent that yeah. bio, mm-hmm. like, sort of funny, sort of whatever. And I'm reading everybody else's bios, and I was like, <laughs> I've made a terrible mistake. Like, a terrible mistake. So, we get there the first day. The vice president of Alabama Power gets up because he's the president of the board. And he's talking about how prestigious the group is and how competitive it is to get in and how he loved reading everyone's resume. But there was this one bio in particular. Is Ashley Morrow here? And I was like, yeah. So I raised my hand. And of course, I put my title down as Queen B. And he turns around and he says, Queen B, I have wanted to meet you since the moment I read your bio. And then proceeds to read my bio to the whole entire class. 
which set me up and apart. And so there is something to be said about when you reach a certain level of this is who I am, this is how I conduct business, this is, and it's consistent, that that brand feels consistent all the way through. I love that. No matter, no matter what that is. So where I thought this was going to like be this deficit, it turned out to give me like a popularity boost that I was not anticipating. So that was a sort of a life lesson for me. Yes. But it is, yeah, I mean, you're so true. And I feel like that's where I'm at now. I finally feel like I'm consistent. I know who I am. I know what my brand is. I know who I want to speak to. And um, yeah, but like your bio is spot on. Spot on. So you, so you, so. Um, it's so funny. It's so weird writing your own bio too. Like, I, I wish I could say someone else wrote it. I'm like, I literally wrote all those things about myself. Yes. Like that's so weird to do. Who knows you better than you, right? Well, I think the bigger question is who likes me better than me? Probably nobody. No, you're great. You're <laughs> awesome, girl. Like I really awesome. like myself probably too much. Well, I'm okay with that. That's okay. Um, you know, if you don't, it, it's just, you know, you're the, the, you're the best person to love you. So anyway, I totally agree with that. Um, so our podcast is really reaching out to women, small business, you know, or, or really larger businesses too, but just, um, helping them get through the day to day, you know, just tips, techniques, but I think your story is so great. And just, and you know how it is, just connecting with other business owners sure. and other people in business experiencing the same things that we, you know, all of us go through similar situations. And so I think it just helps to hear from other people. And so I've sure. learned so much from you, like when we did our mastermind, that was, it was so awesome. And I love you, Skip. You know, y'all are great. So I just and I wish sure to miss you. <laughs> I know we've got to start connecting more. So I, agree. I just wanted to, to tell your story, how you got started, and just a few things, maybe some tips that you have for other people. You know, you guys do business coaching for others, and just kind of give me a background, some of your business ventures, what went well, what yep. didn't went well. Talk about alchemy, and we'll put that in the show notes too. So just kind of, I'm gonna let you talk because that's what you do best. And you're not you wrong. You do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're not wrong, and I talk really best about myself. It's my favorite subject. Right. Absolutely. So go right ahead. I'm gonna let you lead off with what you want to talk about. Okay. So we're recording and starting. Yes. Oh yeah. We're good. Okay. Awesome. Well, Emily, thank you so much for having me today. I think. Um, I think when you asked me, I think one of the jokes I told was that one of my favorite things to do is to talk about myself. It's my favorite subject. And that possibly might be where they keep upping my dosage because the narcissism is sort of real. But I do think that you have to have a level of loving and trusting yourself to do any of these things that we do. So anybody that's listening to this podcast today is probably has a small business, a medium business, dreaming of starting a business. And if you don't like yourself, you got you need to get medicated, go to therapy, get with Jesus, whatever you need to do. You got to figure that before you start because it sucks. Yes. And it's awesome. Yeah. So like the thick skin that you have to have mm -hmm. to run any business today, it is almost unparalleled to any other time in history because technology has changed so much of how we communicate and connect. But if you are a person who believes in connection this is the time that you were born to be in because connection is really is what is driving all business, especially 
small and local business. And we see it now with, you know, live stream selling has taken such a huge, um, a huge jump in like the small retail business community. Live streaming is really has become um, another part of their omni-channel presence. Like you just can't do it and you can't not do it. Right. And now we see these huge brands who are trying to follow suit because they see what's happening in China with their live selling. So now you've got Nordstrom's and Sephora and these huge brands that are trying to sell, which is fine, but it's not connection. It's not, I know her. She looks like me. She, I think I could be friends with her. It's just very, very different. And so for once, the little guy has a leg up on the big guy. And I mean, this is time to leverage it, I think. Right. Yes, for sure. Sure. So, okay. So you've got the women's boutique now. Oh, yes. Which is so crazy because we just won this huge award last September. We're the emerging retailer for the state of Alabama. It's called the Shops at Cold Water. And it's really, um, it was really a testament to not just myself, but our team, how we really doubled down during COVID and said, well, (laughs) it's sink or swim time. And we somehow figured out a way to swim. And so we got it was a combination of luck and it was a combination of hard work and it somehow all worked out and they won this big fancy award and this big fancy trophy that no one should ever give me. I had a lady in my shop a few weeks ago and she was arguing with me about something. And I said, ma'am, do you see that trophy up there? I'm literally an award-winning retailer. You're not, you don't know more than me. Get in the dressing room. <laughs> and luckily people think it's funny when I say stuff like that, but I wasn't even kidding. I was ready to fight her in the street. Anyways. <laughs> So we're very, very honored, but we do own, um, so my two partners, one of which is my husband, which is, that's always a fun experience to be in business with your partner, your life partner, significant other, husband, spouse, whatever you want to call them. Um, so we own the shops. We do consulting, business consulting and municipal consulting and political consulting. Those are sort of the parts that I run for our businesses. We have two insurance agencies and then we just opened a restaurant and we have a real estate holdings company. So when I say that sometimes serial entrepreneurship is like literally just mental illness gone unchecked and running in the street, that's literally how I feel today after talking about the restaurant for 36 hours nonstop. Like I, I feel like I have regretted every life choice that has brought me to this moment. But then I looked at the numbers this weekend and I was like, Oh, that's why we opened a restaurant. I got it. Okay. No, I'm, I'm back on board. I'm back on board with selling beer. I'm back. I'm back there. I'm so excited. I cannot wait. I told um, my assistant this morning, Heather, I said, we have got to go. It looks so cool. The picture it is so delicious. Yes. Good. That's the important. So, so, you know, we've started this. So guys, we've started this restaurant and there's sort of three like main components to a restaurant. It's your people, it's your food and it's your processes. So processes can always be fixed and tweaked and changed. That's easy. Right. Sometimes it takes a little money to do it. Sometimes it takes a little ingenuity, a little innovation. But those can always be tweaked and should always be looked at to see if they can improve. The food and the people are the hardest thing to fix. If your team sucks, they don't have good attitude. If your food sucks, these two things, we, we, we're killing it. Yes. This one, you'll get there. We'll get there. And so it really, but that's how it is with every single business. You can have the best product, but if you don't have a great team to sell it, you're sunk. And if your process doesn't work to sell, I mean, it's the three main components of any business that sells or serves. And so you have to constantly 
look at that, right? I mean, we know we've got two out of the three. And then I literally went to Walmart last night to make a backup system for the third. So, you know, you do what you have to do when you own a small business. And that's where innovation and ingenuity sort of come into play. Absolutely. So tell me about alchemy. How did you get started with that? Like what made you want to do that? Yes. So I invented a product called alchemy and alchemy is a water-based jewelry sealer. So you spray it on your jewelry and it creates an invisible barrier that keeps your jewelry from tarnishing. Mm -hmm. It keeps it from turning your skin green and it keeps your skin from itching. So, so many people have a hard time, um, like wearing earrings because they make their ears itch and swell. And my product stops that from happening. So literally, are you that way? Yes, I am totally that way. So it either has to be real gold, sterling silver, or, you know, something or I, I will, I'll break out. I can't wear it. Yes. I, I'm exactly the same. And that's really what it was born from was I spent most of my life taking clear nail polish and painting all of my jewelry, which is time consuming. And it, it's always sticky and tacky and you can see the brush strokes. Well, alchemy, it dries clear. It's just like this amazing, amazing product. And so it was just something I had in my head. I was in a friend of mine. She owned the most fabulous jewelry boutique and I was in her store one day and she wanted to buy a jewelry line that I was making at the time. And I said, I mean, it's going to turn her bite green. I, I said, is there anything other than clear nail polish? And she said, no, but if you invented it, you can make a million dollars. And I was like, okay, a million dollars. That's not like a lifetime supply of money to me in my mid twenties. Like I'll never have to work again. I'll be set for life. Um, so I just sort of sat on it. I was working, I was consulting. And then um, one day I looked at my, my first husband and I said, I can't wake up at 75 and wonder what this product could have been. I have to do this. So we started the process of making it and working with, um, we worked with different labs. First I had it made in China, $20,000. It shows up in a clear bottle and it looks like there's little sea monkeys floating in it. Oh my. Do you know what you don't want to put on your skin is, something from China that looks like it has a bacteria growth in it. Like, so we had literally had to have it. I took it to a medical waste facility for it to be incinerated. Yes. And it was just, do we keep doing this? Like, what does this become? And so anyways, we ended up teaming up with the right lab. Cause I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a chemist, right? My father's a doctor and we had some ideas for it, but that goes to show like your team can really drive so much with who you surround yourself with. And so Alchemy launched in late 2014, early 2015. Um, we had just finished up all the clinical testing and everything to launch it. And my first husband died. And there's like this pause moment of, do I start over? Do I continue forward? Is this what I want to do? Can I do this alone? You know, all these sort of questions that some of them I don't even sure I still have the answer to. And so it was sort of this major life reset moment for me. And I can remember the first time that I took Alchemy to Atlanta market, I was physically ill. Like I lost my voice. I was having to um, answer, like write down answers to people's questions because I couldn't speak. And I remember thinking there were some people who were so mean to me. Because the product, no one had ever heard of anything like that. I literally invented like a category creating product. And I remember I had a man tell me, I would not put that on my dog, much less my child. And I said, okay. And I remember thinking, 
I was so glad my late husband wasn't there because he probably would have punched him in the nose. And then I thought, well, that's a terrible thing to think. And I remember I had to go and sit down and cry. And like, I'm not a crier. It was just this awful, awful moment. But at that market, I met my biggest customer that I, the Gromit, which is a huge gift buying online web store. They're unbelievable. I met them at that market. And what they do is they go through and they have a team that tests it, loves it, see if they, and then this team called me and said, we want to launch your product. And they launched it on my late husband's birthday. So it was really just sort of like this God wink, whatever you want to call it, whatever you believe in. And it was just sort of this moment of, okay, I might actually emotionally and spiritually and financially survive this. And so from there I'm at market and I'm, um, selling stuff and I'm a big girl like I'm a plus-size girl and these people would come up to me and go you know you sure are cute for a big girl where do you buy your clothes and I thought well you know that's one of one's real rude like if you're listening to this yes. podcast and you love a big girl you don't have to tell her you love big girls she already knows because you're with her okay like don't just do yourself and her a favor don't tell her yes like she knows for sure so rude that's like the best life advice I could give a man don't tell her you like thick girls she already knows because you're with her all day long so I launched my own clothing company I was you know designing clothes and it went so well and you know I'm thinking this whole time like why do I not have a store like why am I not doing this and so eventually it all sort of evolved into the shops at Coldwater and um any entrepreneur story it comes like like a marathon roller coaster ride like and sometimes that roller coaster happens every single day it's like oh my gosh this is the greatest day ever and then it's like i'm gonna burn this mother to the ground like it's gone it's done i tell all of my clients if you don't dream about burning your business to the ground once a month you're not worried enough about it exactly there is a a a study that came out that entrepreneurs suffer higher degrees of anxiety and depression than just like the rest of the business world. But a lot of it is linked back to, I am constantly thinking about what's a new category that I can buy. Can I get it at a better price? What do my customers want, but they don't know that they want yet. What can I be doing for my employees right now? You know, times are tough right now. We've got almost $5 a gallon gas and groceries are up 35%. I mean, it's, it's really, scary so i launched a program a couple of months ago where i've been giving them a mileage check to help pay for some other gas because almost all of them drive from out of town to come work on my team and so if you're not thinking about that stuff all the time and it make you sort of want your want to burn your business to the ground i would say you don't love your business enough and you need to rethink what you're doing absolutely i i totally agree and and it is that roller coaster every single day sometimes 10 times a day but it's, it's just that way, but you and I, we love it. It's, it's so, yeah, it's addictive. It's, it's yeah, very addictive. It keeps it exciting. And I feel like just being creative, that's part of that process. Yes. You know, I told somebody the other night, if you can figure out how to work for yourself, it's the greatest work in the world, Yes, but it's also really hard. Like, you've got to be able to explain to your friends and family, I know I own my own business. That doesn't mean I can leave whenever I want to. Like, you have to be able to explain to your customers, I know I own this business, but these are the rules. And the rules don't change just because you 
don't like them. You know, I'm in a good position where sometimes when I have somebody argue with me about a rule, I can say, hey, look, I mean, I have business partners yeah. and this is what we agree to. And I just have to enforce what we have agreed to that is right. fair. And so I sort of get out of that a little bit. Um, and that brings up a thought that I had. So one of the things that we tell our clients to do, and if you're a small business in any size town, how many times do you think you get hit up for donations, Emily? Oh my gosh. Like at least probably three to five times a week. I mean, it's at, at least, at least, at least. So we created a donation request form. Mm -hmm. You, we will not email it to you. You have to come to the store and get it. You have to fill it out, which says who you are, the organization you're right. recruiting for, what you want, what's your event, how many people it's one page. It's yes. just enough. And then we say, well, we have a group meeting about this every month to decide because we get hit up every single day who we want to donate to or not. Sure. So if they go through the process of doing that, you've already eliminated probably half the people who ask yes. by putting something like that into place and then have your meeting, don't have your meeting. That is one of the best things that we have ever implemented because it is, people think that businesses are a bottomless pit of support when you open your own business and you own it and you run it there are several things that are assumed one that you're smart yes <laughs> okay that makes it hard sometimes for us to reach yes. out for coaching and for help because yes. people assume we're smart they assume that we're already successful yes. or we couldn't have afforded to own it they don't know about the credit card debt and exactly. leveraging your home and leveraging all your rest. They don't know about any of that. Right. So there's an assumption of financial security and success right. and this assumption of competencies. Yes. Which we don't always have both of at the same time. We might have one or the other. It's hard to get both at the same time. And so that creates this sense of isolation. I think that a lot of business owners feel because you don't want to tell people, my right. business is struggling right now because people want to do business with a business that's struggling. They want to do business with a powerhouse. And so it can create an isolation that disconnects us where right now what we need is connection. And so if you're sort of struggling with your business, I would encourage you to be as open and honest about that and to reach out and find an accountability partner, or find some help. You know, sometimes these software companies have coaching programs that they offer and, um, I really and truly, I see it every single day, how isolated business owners feel because they don't know where to go for help and don't even really know sometimes how to admit that they need help. Absolutely. I totally agree. And too, you know, um, I just ran upon y'all through the Alliance, you know, we did mm -hmm. the Click Synergy and did the Mastermind. That was so mind opening for me because I had no clue that that existed or, you know, I was new to business and I'm new to small business and opening a storefront. I've done flip houses and things like that before, but nothing on this level or, you know, I didn't know who to connect with. Really. I had a mentor. I talk about that a little bit in my first podcast, but, um, we had actually taught school together. So I had her, but beyond that, you know, if she had not reached out to me, I would not have had someone, and I think that's one reason the podcasts are growing so much because you can actually find someone like you and someone else out there struggling with the same struggles that you have and the same issues that you come upon. So I think that's, that's. A um, and you know, it sort of bugs me when um, 
businesses get too entrenched in competition. I agree. Like, I, I think that there is a real need yes. and a real call right now for community over competition. So, especially like, I know you've been established before in a downtown area. My, my, all through, all of our businesses are in a downtown area right now. And, um, that need for community over competition is significant. I need those other businesses to do well. So their foot traffic flows into mine. They need my business to do well so that my marketing efforts can affect them too. And so again, it's that continued isolation when it doesn't have to be that way, but it's a hard mindset to change. I think growing up in such a capitalist society and country, we're sort of not taught that that kind of community is worthwhile or is, um, can lead to profits, but it 100% can. Yep, absolutely. And I think that's what a lot of business owners don't understand. They think it's me against you when it's not. The more our downtown grows, even having the same similar businesses, it's going to bring more foot traffic. More foot traffic is going to come through your store, come through your right. business, and everybody can prosper. It doesn't have to be a me or you thing. Well, and retail right now, that's what people want. They don't go to malls anymore. They want to go to a cute little downtown where they can park their car and walk to a ton of different shops and restaurants. Even if the shops are a little similar, they don't care because they look and feel a little different. And that is really what's driving a lot of tourism right now. Um, you know, these sort of short girls weekends that women are taking, that guys are taking together. That's what's really driving a lot of business. And so it's really more important than ever to like get with your neighbor and figure it out. And I think some of it comes back to knowing who your customer is. So for example, across the street from me is a bridal and prom store. And she told me that she keeps sending me people for shower clothes, mm -hmm. but she also during, um, quarantine started adding boutique clothing so that she, cause guess what? People weren't buying wedding dresses and prom dresses when we were right. quarantined. Right. And so I thought that was brilliant. So brilliant. And I told her, I said, why are you sending them to me? You could literally do that. She goes, I just, I don't want to do that. That's not what I do. It's not what I want to do. And I'm like, okay, I will take those customers. But our customer is not the same. Like her customer that comes in to buy the bridal, her mother is really my customer. Right. And I don't carry that. So then she comes across the street and buys for me. There's no reason, even though she carries boutique clothing, it's not what she specializes in, but they want to shop with her. And then they're like, well, where's somewhere else I can look for clothes? She's like, right there across the street. Even though it might be a similar customer, it's not always the same. Her customer is a little bit more her age. Mine's a little bit my age and a little bit older. And so I think that sometimes that um, need for constant, like, cutthroat competition is the assumption that your customer is the same. Yes, I agree. I would say that even if you, even if she and I sold the same product, and we do sometimes because we buy some similar vendors, she ever listens to this. I love you so much. You're not going to outsell me. I'm going to get up earlier. I'm going to go to bed later. I'm going to work harder. You, really at the end of the day, you, you, you are your greatest competitive advantage. Absolutely. hundred percent. You just can't let them outwork you. Then it allows you the privilege and the space and the grace to say, I love community over competition. Cause I can do that because you're not going to outwork me and you're not going to outsell me. So I want you to be on my team. Well, and to um, Ashley, I feel like it's just like a podcast. 
I may resonate with somebody that um, may not with another podcast, uh, you know, show. And so it's like, I feel like even when I had the store, even though we had similar places, people felt connected to me. And so they would shop with me. So yes. they, they love your personality or how fun you are, or you can really pick out something right. that fits that customer. You know, not everybody is for everyone. You know, some people may not like well, me, and that's okay. And, you know, really the most basic baseline of business is that people want to do business with people they know, like, and trust. If you can get all three of those out of a customer, they know you, they like you, they trust you. They will buy from you, even if your product is more expensive than somebody else's. Absolutely. Yes. And it's almost, it, it almost feels like kindergarten, like day one stuff, but that is, it's pervasive. Yes. That if you can make people feel when they come into your store, when they buy from you, your, that whole customer service starts from the time they enter your website to the time they get your package, from the time they walk to your store, from the time they walk out and go tell their friends what they just bought. If you can make that a pervasive and consistent experience, they feel like they know you, like you, and trust you. Why do people like to say, oh, well, I know the owner yes. of that store. I know the manager there. People love to feel connected Absolutely. to people who do cool things. So all you got to do is get them to know you, like you, and trust you. Even if they don't really know you, like you, and trust you, they have to think they know, like you, and trust you. So you, you just can't be a turd. Absolutely. That's right. You if, you're, if you're a turd, go get medicated. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Just go get medicated. It's fine. Okay. It's, it's fine. Everything, right? Well, okay. So let me ask you this. Um, what advice would you give, I guess, someone just starting out? You know, I think it's so funny because like we all, and I guess that's part of our creative mentality, but we've all done different things like really different things. I started out as a stay-at-home mom, then I was a school teacher, and then I, you know, I decided to work with the State Department of Health, and then um, I started the store, and now I'm just doing design work and the podcast and trying to do some business coaching on the side, but it's it's so funny because it's it's like it's taken all of those things for me to connect to the right people and it, it being the right time for something. It took 20-something years before I started my store. Yeah. You know, you know I, I think there's something to be said about having a little gray hair of experience. I yeah. mean, I can remember being in my 20s and thinking, I have all these great ideas and I have all these things and it never knowing like when was it my time to speak and when was I going to be noticed and when was, you know, 30. I was like, well, I'm 30. Yeah. People are going to think I'm grown. And I turned 30 and I was like, oh, hell, I barely feel grown. Like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> and so I, I, I feel like some of the people that I've mentored recently, have really sort of struggled with like imposter syndrome yeah. and, you know, when am I enough? So a study came out that said when it comes to job openings and what is preferred as far as experience and skills, men will apply for that job if they meet around 50% of the qualifications. Women will not apply unless they meet 80% or more. That's crazy. It is crazy. So women tend to think it's like we've never done enough. So it was like, so when will I ever get to be a professional speaker? Like when will I have ever done enough? Will it be when I made six figures in a year? Will it be when I went on Home Shopping Network? It's like, no matter what I did, it was like, I never truly thought that it was enough. And so women just have to sort of suck it up and realize that, that it is, that there is 
something to give back and lean back and give your hand to pull her forward too. And so I think that it all sort of centers and comes back to fear. Oh yeah, definitely. There's, there's never really a good time to start a business. Right. We can make it a million excuses. We're about to head into recession. I can't start a business. My kid's about to be 14. They still need me to drive the baseball. I can't start a business. What? Who's going to cook? For this, and who's gonna show that we can come up with a million? You just gotta, just gotta do it. Yeah, you, you just, just gotta do it. I mean, if you want to do it and you can't let it go, and that's what you think about when you go to sleep, and that's what you think about when you wake up, you just have to do it. There is literally no good time to do it. There's no good time to spend your life savings and all of your leverageable loanability to start a business. There's never a good time. There's always an excuse. You have to decide that you want it more than you're willing to let it go. A hundred percent. I totally agree. It's just, you have to just jump out there and do it. I mean, people think I'm going to get this so right. So I was talking to my dad this morning. He's been a rural healthcare physician for, well, probably since Methuselah walked the earth. And so he was telling, we were talking about, you know, opening this restaurant and like just trying to get our processes down. And he said, when he opened his clinic, I mean, back in the late eighties, right. He said, because I had to do everything myself. I ordered all the equipment. I said all the hiring. I did everything. He said, I get in there and I'm getting ready to do my first exam and I pull the little light down and it will not turn on. He said, and I'm like, check and make sure it's plugged in and they plug it in and it won't turn on. He goes, and I'm fiddling with it and I can't figure it out. And he said, you know what was wrong with it? I said, what? He goes, I didn't buy a light bulb for it. <laughs> he said, so no matter how prepared you are, no matter there is always something is always going to have to be adjusted. I coached a guy one time who spent a year creating his sales processes before he sold one item. I said, your sales process is going to break down after you sell 10. You've lost a year. Right. To, and that's to fear. Yeah. Um, so I think that fear is like the motivator that keeps us from doing it. And it's the motivator that makes us do it. Absolutely. The, it was my fear that I would wake up at 75 and still be working for somebody else. And so you have to decide which fear is going to eat at you more. I agree. Totally. That's awesome. Well, I, I do believe that there is no good time. It's just, you've got to jump out there and do it. But I feel like you'll, I mean, it'd be, you learn so much it, and it's a daily thing. If you're not learning something every day, something is not right. You're not trying. On That's it. right. So, you know, I feel like that we learn that every day. Um, so tell me, Ashley, last question. Where do you see yourself in five to 10 years? Oh, gosh. Well, I'm in the process of trying to close on a loan. We've bought an 11,000 square foot building. So 5,000 of it's going to be my new shop. And then we're going to have apartments exciting. upstairs. And so it is exciting. So, you know, my goal is to really make that shop a downtown attraction. Um, and to, I have a, a friend of mine who runs a huge boutique out of Florida. And she told me that she thought I was leaving a quarter of a million dollars a month oh, wow. on the table in curvy sales online. Okay. okay. She said, Ashley, there's nobody who sells it the way you do. And I was like, I never thought about it like that. I never... It, it was not, that was not even necessarily like on my radar screen to think about it being that big. And so I think that that's really the next place that we go is how do we connect with these curvy customers? And I really think 
just sort of across the southeast. I don't have to ship to California. I don't. I don't. Are there a fat people in California? Do they kick you out of California if you're fat? I think that's like a law so. now. I think they're. Uh, all they just passed some law that bees are actually fish. I'm totally confused, but I um I, I think it's you know continuing this sort of um this sort of theme of connection for me. And so my goal is to have a team that can run that where everybody makes not a living wage, but a very comfortable yes. wage. You know, we're trying to do things differently at our restaurant. We don't pay two thirteen an hour. The servers, we pay seven twenty five an hour and they get to keep their tips Absolutely. and we have health insurance and 401k. And so at some point, business owners have to decide what kind of life do we want to create for our teams? And so at the end of the day, we're seeing a shift mm -hmm. in the recruitment and retention of employees and now more than ever culture matters and so culture has to be king and sometimes culture for some people trumps pay i don't necessarily understand that because i was raised to say that pay was king but i really am very sensitive to that and so everything every move that we make now is about increasing our culture and so for me the next five to ten years are really sort of doubling down on that shop and what we can do for women in a lot of ways even though i'm not like a church going person in a lot of ways, it feels like a ministry when these women come in and they feel so awful about themselves and they live in an outfit that makes them feel great. And that sounds a little shallow, but you can't do your best when you don't feel your best. Absolutely. And so to be able to provide that to so many women has just been, I mean, it's really just kind of humbling. And so I want to keep doing that. That's a lot of fun that you get to do something that makes people feel good, but then you make a bunch of money doing it. Like that's, I mean, that's just killer. I mean, that's the ultimate, right? That's like the dream right there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And I absolutely. really love to talk to, to y'all and Skip too about the culture and your restaurant and what you're doing, because I think that is so important. Um, I try to do that for my workers. I try to do that for my people. They're my, they're my family. So yeah. I want to take care of them um, because they're the people that make me look good. So, you know, 100%. They're the people who are you when you're nowhere to be found. Absolutely. So I think that's another whole podcast that we could do, but um, absolutely. I mean, if, if you're not creating culture, your business will not survive. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. And I know you're thank you so much, but I look forward to seeing you and oh yeah. Where can everybody find you? Okay. So you could go to um, ashlamara.com um, shops at coldwater.com. We have an app called the shop shoppers app. It's available on iOS and Android. And really that's sort of like the funnest way to find me because I do all these videos and I say really charming things like front butt and cooter and things that just really, I mean, Oh, you know, it's just, I'm a delight. It's yes, a real, always a lady, always a delight. And so, um, yeah. And of course you can come hang out with me at my store. I'm not scared of that even a little bit. Absolutely. Awesome. Was well, so good seeing you today. And I it was so good to see you, you soon. Okay. But anyway, bye, friends. this comes out. See you later. Bye. See ya. Bye. today's podcast and I look forward to talking with you maybe connecting again if you think you might want to listen to more or you might be able to connect with me on some level then I hope that you follow me leave me a review and put your walking shoes on 
because we've got a ways to go. Thank you.